Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. Uh, it's uh, Thursday, and you have Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye, co-host of Urban Forum Northwest. Our first guest today is world-famous attorney James Bible. And if you haven't been keeping up with it, he has been winning and getting justice for people who have been wrongfully uh, killed or abused by uh, various police departments in Washington State. And most recently, a case that I'll share with him before we went on the air, Angela Rye has mentioned uh, more than once on CNN about the Tacoma, Washington case of Manuel Ellis, who was uh, killed, has been captured on video and security video by Tacoma police officers. And Attorney Bible has filed a $30 million lawsuit on behalf of the family. So uh, Attorney Bible, thank you so much for the work you do in the community and representing the people. And why don't you just take a few minutes and I would like to have our listeners hear about some of the cases that you have uh, uh, represented uh, victims, uh, families, and have prevailed. Absolutely. So thank you. So, so we'll start with Manuel Ellis, because that's the case that most people know about and uh, tend to ask me questions about at this stage. Uh, Manny Ellis was murdered on March 3rd of this year uh, by officers who, for no real apparent reason, actually stopped their car, um, got out as he was walking home from a grocery store, approached him, um, and eventually uh, took him to the ground, choked him uh, where he died. Uh, how do we know all of this? Well, at the start, we just had the word of the officers, but more people have come forward. We now have three independent witnesses. We have three separate videos, and we have a recording um, where Manny Ellis is actually saying, I can't breathe, sir. Now, the harsh reality is that any circumstance similar to this with three separate videos, with three independent witnesses, with a recording that says such a thing um, would already have been prosecuted as a homicide, murder in the second degree at the very least. Um, unfortunately, the state of Washington, which has now taken over the investigation from Pierce County, thankfully, has been moving slowly in terms of its decision to prosecute these individuals. Uh, this past week, when we filed our $30 million tort claim, we actually re released three recorded witness interviews um, of the folks that we actually interviewed that were present at the scene and had uh, collected video information. Uh, we also included something that I think shocked uh, even more people. And what that was was uh, the some of the text messages from police officers between one another uh, in relation to this murder. And an officer actually sent a text message to the four perpetrators, perpetrator officers in this case saying, you guys are studs and the whole second floor backs you. And when I read that, I was shocked. And then I started to, to think that perhaps what we should do is we should look into who that officer was. And what we learned was that officer was somebody that had been in the um, Tacoma Police Department for years and has had sh has shot two people on two separate occasions and has killed one person. Um, so that's who's calling these other officers that have killed Maniela Studs. But it goes further than that even because we have, um, through those text messages, a symbol of their badge, a gun, and a blue and gray America flag with, with what is traditionally known as the Punisher symbol on that flag. I sent it to one of my experts, and they thought that this was the inquiry or, or something that would be linked to uh, gang affiliation. When I did more research on that Punisher symbol, it's actually somebody something that's used by the United States of America snipers 
Um, they consider themselves a judge, jury, and executioner uh, via the sniper, via the um, the punisher symbol. And that's not what our expectation is for law enforcement. That's not what we want them to be on the streets. They are not judge, jury, and executioner. There is room for that in the courtroom. Uh, so that's why Manny Ellis is a critical moment, critical uh, homicide to be prosecuted and critical time at this stage uh, for us all to come together and think about how to improve our system. Now, there was another case, uh, Me Chance Gettings, Gettings, was it Gettings? Yes, Dunlap? absolutely. Yeah. And that, that was happening in Des Moines, Washington, right? And that dealt with, was that the King County Sheriff's officers involved? Yeah, that was a King County Sheriff's case, and and uh, that case is resolved for two point five million dollars. Uh, but what really should have come from that was a prosecution, criminal prosecution as well. Uh, essentially, the officers in that case, the sheriff's office officers, acted as vigilantes uh, out for justice and just uh, sniped down a young man. But we've got so many more cases than that. I can't think or can't can't forget about Sean Fur, a case that I've recently take, taken on. Um, Sean Fur was hit by a Seattle police sniper's bullet um, in the head one shot while he was actually holding his baby. Uh, no indication that he was in any place where he could have harmed the officers or anybody else, and they could have apprehended him relatively easily, uh, but instead they chose to shoot him. Again, acting as judge, jury, and executioner. Uh, I've got other cases throughout throughout this region. One uh, that we won for um, uh, Federal Way involving an officer that had choked a, a young man that was actually a good Samaritan. Um, they choked him. They put him in the jail, and we had to wait two years before he actually got his day in court um, so that he could tell his side of the story. And at the end of that, the jury gave him $640,000 plus attorney's fees. Um, and all that he could say to the verdict was, does that mean that they believe me? But that reflects some of the harm, just some of the harm that is actually done to so many folks um, at the hands of law enforcement and a system of accountability that's sorely lacking. Yeah, I want to see if uh, my co-host Hayward Evans has any questions or comments for Attorney James Bible and former Seattle King County NAACP NAACP president. One of the best in history, James. Thank you kindly. Oh, look, we we are so appreciative that you're a local attorney standing up to all these horrendous crimes that are taking place. But I want to ask you, because you raised the issue of police accountability, is there going to be a bill in Olympia in 2021 to establish a Washington State Police Accountability Investigation Unit? Is anybody promoting that? Um, I have spoken to folks and i'm trying to get people to promote exactly that sort of thing and i can outline it uh, a little bit about what i would hope it would actually look like uh in terms of an accountability system it is true that we need a separate department that investigates police statewide um, for corruption and misconduct and within that department it should have its own independent investigative power that's not reliable reliant on police departments it should also use public defenders as those that actually prosecute police officers uh, when appropriate. And I say that because public defenders are in a place where they're battle-tested. 
Um, they have no allegiance to law enforcement. They're used to going up against them regularly. Um, they have the requisite trial skills. They know how to investigate matters. Um, and they would add something very different uh, to the process. One of the things that we've seen here in King County is uh, since the inquest, uh, and one of the things that I did here was I started taking inquest hearings uh, just so that I could prove that it's very different when the family has an attorney. But now public defenders are actually assigned to those cases, and they're looking very different in terms of that sort of hearing as well. So that's why I would say public defenders need to be at the forefront of that, and they need to be described as the people when they're prosecuting police officers uh, in the protection of all of us. Well, James, do they, the public defenders seem like they're already overworked. Can more money be dedicated to them? And I want to go back to on that original question. Is there anyone in Olympia sponsoring a bill and what can we do to support getting that piece of legislation through? There are people um, talking, is what I hear, but I haven't seen anything concrete yet. But we definitely need something concrete. Okay, uh, James, what, what uh, in terms of uh, cases on the horizon, you had mentioned something else. There's also a couple of other issues that that, uh, that you had mentioned, and I want you to go back a little bit more detail on. Now, you said uh, the the guy that was the sniper guy was that was the guy who was holding his child, right? That was I'm sorry, what was that? The guy that got got killed by the sniper. Are we talking about Sean Fur that was holding his? Is child? that the guy that was holding the child in his arms? Yeah, he was holding his child. Um, shot a single time in the head while holding his child. Um, it just wasn't necessary at all. There was no indication that he had a weapon that he could have used. Um, there was a wall between him and anywhere else he could have gone. They put the child at risk, and they killed that child's father. Um, okay. And they now Jacob Blake, uh, uh, Vice President Biden, went back and met with the family. And, you know, i tell you one thing. People never believe what was happening to black folks and the police until these videos came out. And you right. can imagine, because, you know, it's always been the police officer's word against any black person, okay? That's just the way right. it was. That's been since slavery when they first created the police to run down slaves. But anyway, uh, the Jacob Blake situation, just have your comment on that. That situation breaks my heart. Um, I'm thankful that he's alive and able to tell his story. I'm thankful that there was actually some amount of video so that we, we could see exactly uh, what was happening, because we all know that the narrative would be very different uh, if video was there and if he wasn't alive still. Uh, the re harsh reality is that uh, black folks uh, consistently run into situations where when they're not armed, um, they're shot and killed because their skin is weaponized. They are perceived as dangerous. Uh, and this is exactly one of those examples. Um, and on some level, my understanding of the uh, Blake matter is that he was actually acting as somebody that was be trying to be a peacekeeper on that particular day. Another situation in which African-Americans sometimes fin find themselves in harm's way of law enforcement. In fact, it happens far too often. And, um, I would say that I'm just thankful that so many around this nation have stood up and that the athletes are actually standing up and saying that there has to be consistent changes or they won't play. 
um, or there has to be changes in like polling places and and using their their platform to essentially push for uh, justice on a different level and not forgetting uh, where they come from and that these same folks that are being harmed are their uncles, brothers, sisters, uh, fathers, and the like, cousins. Um, no matter what their economic station, no matter what their their current state of existence was. Well, you know, uh, that was been uh, been needed for so long to have the athletes stand up, and uh, uh, today they really have a, they're conscientious and they're standing up, and it's welcomed. Uh, other thing that uh, I was with Black Lives Matter. Uh, black folks being talked about in all 50 states and at least 18 countries around the world. So to me, that's really a major accomplishment. Now, the other thing is on the voting. Now, uh, we have, uh, we only have that people are about mail-in votes. They don't like mail-in votes and they don't like mail-in ballots. But uh, with this virus, uh, the virus uh, attorney seems to be going up everywhere again right now with the colleges open up. And they're going to send these babies to school in Seattle tomorrow. So I'd like to have you kind of know, do you think we're moving too quickly on that? I would say that, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I just spent most of the morning in school with my son online. And it's a, a very difficult thing to go through. He's in second grade. It was probably about three, three and a half hours. But I would prefer that he be at home rather than put in any sort of physical harm's way in terms of this particular virus not to mention the exponential growth that could come from it uh, in relation to other people and so many more people getting sick. Uh, but uh, right now, educationally, we are in a very messy place um, because we haven't organized and prepared in the way that we need to. I think that uh, just about every district throughout this state will feel that. Um, but no, we can't be in a space where we're sending our kids back to school. And it would probably have been um, a rational step to have taken three to four or five more weeks to figure out exactly what the best and most effective way to educate our children uh, during this pandemic would actually be. Um, so I feel like we're rushing into this, and I hope we don't lose any of them. Well, I just hope that uh, that we have the right person uh, smiling on uh, uh, November 4th after the elections and uh, Hopefully, uh, all the people in government will stop anything crazy from happening, because I am somewhat concerned about about what might happen if the wrong numbers come out for Donald Trump, because he's all, gave all, every indication that he's not going to go silently or willingly. Uh, Eric, do we have uh, Carolyn Riley Payne on the line yet? I'll tell you tell you what, there is every reason to be deeply concerned about this upcoming election and what it will look like. There is every reason to believe that Donald Trump um, and his his uh, cronies, folks that support him, are going to be in a place where they attempt to hijack an election. Um, they're trying to have it both ways, essentially. They're trying to be in a space where um, they can blame the system if they lose, um, but at the same time say, if we win, it was because we did everything that needed to be done. Um, the Republican convention was a series of remarkable false narratives that weren't to the benefit of the people, and that's not leadership. Uh, leadership yep. entails making tough decisions to the benefit of the most people possible and honoring our Constitution. None of that's been done with Donald Trump. 
Uh, None of that has been done with the folks that he has surrounded himself with. Um, And we have we have to have real concerns. Uh, All minority folks, everybody that's been in poverty, anybody that's different than the mainstream or the traditionally institutional institutionally power are at risk. And frankly, the institutionally powerful are at risk, too, uh, with this disease and with so many other things, because our system can easily collapse. Um, yeah, no James, we've been joined by uh, the president great. of the Seattle King County branch of the NAACP, Carolyn Riley Payne. I want to make sure you said hello to her before you left. So, Carol- President Carolyn Riley Payne, are you on the line? I am on the line. How are you, Eddie? All right. Well, James Bible's on the line, too. Hi, so hello, James that- Bible. How are you? Hi, That's Madam one of my President. How are you? <laughs> Mr. President. Ms. President. <laughs> Mrs. President, it's good to hear from you. It's good to hear from you also. Absolutely. You guys take care. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much for your time. And always the good work you're doing for the people, James Bible. We appreciate you, brother. Absolutely. Take care. All right. All right, President Carolyn Riley Payne, Eddie Ryan Hayward Evans. Uh, We wanted to get an update, uh, and we know what the priorities are for the NAACP right now, especially your priorities. But why don't you share with our listeners uh, some of the activities that uh, the chapter, uh, the branches crack. I can't say chapter. Lacey will slap me. uh, That the branch is involved with. Well, first of all, for foremost, first and foremost, we are involved in voter registration and voter education. James was right. Um, this upcoming election is one of the most important, and we cannot al- afford to allow it to be hijacked. We must get, as a organization, as a community, get out uh, and make sure that we are voting. We have been registering people to vote through this pandemic and through all of the unrest in Seattle. And we have, uh, uh, we are following the Power of Five, which is the national uh, program. But here locally, we have kicked it off. And we uh, challenge each and every person, even if you are a registered voter, we challenge you to take take the challenge of Power of Five. Do five things there. You don't have to do a lot, but you have to encourage everybody you talk to to, uh, to register to vote. If they're already registered, then you have to encourage them to make sure that they ask their, make sure their friends and families and people they don't know, church members, everybody, is registered to vote. And then once the um, ballots are mailed, we will be doing, going full force with making sure people mail in their ballots early, because uh, voter suppression, as uh, as James mentioned, uh, the president is setting it up already. And so we don't want to have any excuses for the votes not to count. So that's one of the main things we're doing. With this COVID virus, um, we are doing uh, our part in trying to encourage the community to do what we need to do. This virus is no joke. So, you know, everybody keeps talking about washing your hands and Uh, making sure that you wear a mask. We have had two um, community activities, one uh, on Beacon Hill, one uh, in the central area in which we had handed out over 4,000 masks. We're going to have another one in uh, in a couple of weeks down in Kent because we think it's important. Wear a mask, save a life. The life you save might be your own. So we are encouraging that. uh, We're pushing that. And to that, and, uh, President, President, I just want to say, when you go to Kent, make sure you check with uh, 
the Kent Black Action Commission, uh, Gwen Allen Carson and Richard Richard and Azalea Johnson when you go down there. Oh yes, we are partnering. We are we are in, uh, our committee is in touch with them, and we are uh, just trying to pick a date and a time and a place. So we are we will uh, we will be in touch with uh, with them. Um, the other thing is um, oh, our health committee. We have um, on our website, and we have had two or three um, virtual forums on the coronavirus and the things that you can do other than staying home uh, and wearing a mask and staying home, uh, you can do to stay safe. And one of the other things that we are pushing, uh, um, Eddie, is we're in touch with the school, uh, the superintendent of schools, and we are we are watching to see uh, what they're doing, and we're making sure that we are part of the conversation now. Uh, to, they didn't fire uh, all the black men, no. I, I we understand that we brought that. To <laughs> they they fired the athletic director, the chief academic officer, the director of human resources, and then on, in the latter part of April, when schools were closed, she fired the uh, the. Uh, Black lady who's uh, the principal at Lesha Elementary School. Yes. So, we have, boy, we're, we're I, if, if she asked me, if she asked me for a meeting right now, I said we should have had this two years ago before you fired all the black men. Well, you know, we got to start somewhere. She's done it now. We have we are calling her on it and um, don't renew a contract. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, trying to make well trying to make sure that her contract. She understands fully that her t- contract. Um, is not uh, not to be extended. But while she's here, since she can, since she's still holding the office, we want to make sure that going back to school, our kids are not uh, more negatively impacted. And going back to school, um, the digital divide. Our parents and our families know what to do because we already know that going to school, parents got to work, and all of the things that impact them. Um, we want to know what she has in place and what she's doing to make sure that our families get the word out, uh, get the understanding of what they need to do, especially for things like computers. When she put out something this last week that said um, only uh, they're almost ready and school was starting, we said, what do you mean you're almost ready? What are you doing? Where are the computers? How do they get the computers? Do our families know how to get the computers? And the answers were not very good. Some yes, maybe no. We want to make sure that our families know exactly what they need to do. And if they do not have um, the computers and what they need, how they need to advocate, go to the schools, stay on the schools. We have to take responsibilities for our own kids. Uh, the superintendent of schools and the schools are not doing it. So we need to, we have, and we're going to have workshops and teaching the parents how to advocate and what to say to par- uh, to the school district and to the school, uh, to the principals, to get what we need. Um, this weekend, we're having um, a back-to-school uh, giveaway. We're having hand sanitizers and children's masks. We're giving out masks for the kids. And we're going to work, be telling and encouraging parents to get their kids accustomed to wearing a mask just they got, like they got them accustomed to wearing a seatbelt. You remember when you were growing up, you didn't have to have a seatbelt. You could be all over the car. 
And now everybody you must have a seatbelt on. And that's kind of the way we wanted them to start looking at wearing uh, about wearing a mask. And our health committee will be at uh, First AME on uh, Saturday morning from 10 to 1. Passing Pastor out. Carrie Anderson. Back to Pastor Carrie Anderson. And, and your sister. And my fame. Huh? <laughs> and your sister. And yes, and my sister, the Fame Church, um, uh, giving out masks. We are partnering with them, um, and uh, the the health committee has worked really hard to get these uh, youth masks, children's masks, and we want to make sure, come by, pick up a mask or two, uh, especially for your kids, but you might be able to get one or two for yourself also. And um, we're having... Um, a candidates forum, a virtual candidates forum, and that is going that is uh, going to be very important. And it's uh, it's going to be from six thirty to eight o'clock, um, September the twenty eighth. And uh, we need uh, you to make sure that um, you tune in, call in, ask questions, because the national election is very important because of who's running for president and all of that. But you know, Eddie, the the local elections impact us all uh, as as much as the national election, and so we're going to have the people running for judges, um, and uh, and some of the districts are on a virtual forum, so so that okay. you can ask questions, the community can ask questions, and we can um, see what they're about and what their platform and what their pledge is. To us, so that we can hold uh, hold them accountable. Yes, and, well, um, you know, President. Uh, now that you mentioned that, uh, I spent uh, a half a day going through some races, uh, in primarily in Pearson King County, uh, and I'm looking at scheduling uh, uh, for Hayward and I to have uh, candidates forums. Very brief, but uh, you know, we're going to be sending out stuff like, uh, and sometimes we don't get responses from folks because. We want to know what your position is on reparations, on restoring affirmative action in Washington State, uh, on where, where you stand on Black Lives Matter, and things like that. So uh, uh, sometimes some of the candidates don't respond to our inquiries, but we have to ask questions that are relevant to our community. So That's when great. they go on John Carlson, they can talk about anti-affirmative action. If they, you know, they're not going to talk about it here. I mean, it's up to them. But we're going to be inviting some people too. So. That's good. We'll we'll make sure that we announce this too, to, to make sure. And if there's uh, anyone from uh, that's coordinating that committee, we welcome Hayward and I welcome them to come on the program as well. Okay. Well, we'll uh, I'll make sure that uh, our, our, the person that is coordinating that get in touch with you and Hayward, uh, so that we can coordinate and perhaps uh, do some teaming up uh, with uh, what we're doing versus and with you and what you're doing. Exactly. Oh no, we'll work together. Yeah, and and the, one of the one of the things, the other things that we're doing, as you know, every year the NAACP is up, has a Freedom Fund uh, event. Well, this year uh, we're going to have one also, but it's going to be a virtual one. So we want people to um, <clears throat> excuse me, look out for that information. It's on our web, it'll be on our website, and we'll be talking about it with you and others uh, about how they can be ambassadors uh, in the community and uh, help raise 
um, money for AXO and some of the other programs that we have going on. And, you know, the mental health, uh, we have had, uh, we had a, we parted with several uh, organizations and uh, health organizations to have a health fair in which we get, went to, in which we did testing for COVID, um, for high blood pressure, and talking about all of the things that impact our community that really is showing up now that COVID is hit. And so uh, we have, I mean, we have lots going on, and we are asking that, uh, excuse me, uh, that people, you know, come out and join us. The biggest thing we're having also this year is this is an election year for the NAACP. Okay. Now, I I want to ask you, uh, oh, geez, I can't, I'm having a problem here. Okay, I can hear you. Okay, yeah, I wanted to speak. Uh, a lot of people call me about getting help, and I want you to give the information about how people can join the NAACP online. Oh, the very Seattle easy. King County branch. Yes, very easy. You go to SeattleKingCounty.org uh, to our webpage or Facebook page and hit join the NAACP. There's a block there. And, all you have to do is you join immediately uh, by uh, putting your uh, information in and paying your thirty dollars. It costs thirty dollars to join. Okay, Carolyn Riley Payne, thank you very much. We certainly appreciate all your work, and we'll have your people back on to promote the twenty eighth virtual uh, candidates forum that you will be sponsoring. Okay, we're going to take a break and come back with our next guest after this. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com.
Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Okay, Eddie Ryan, here with Evans back at Urban Forum Northwest. Uh, before we go to our guests, I want to thank the Sound Transfer Small Business Development Labor Compliance Office, the Port of Seattle's Office of Minority uh, Contracting, uh, the City of Seattle's Purchasing Construction Services Office, Concourse Concessions, uh, Dave Pukahara out at uh, SeaTac Airport, SeaTac Bar Group LLC, we're at the Africa Lounge, you're now selling, serving Congolese food, and Soul Sense Media does our technology, that's Stephanie Ogle. And our next guest is uh, former Washington State Representative Attorney Jesse Weinberry Sr. And Jesse is going to talk about bringing fairness back to Washington State. We've been without it since 1998 in Washington State, but actually we haven't really had it for 400 years. But go ahead, Jesse. Well, first of all, uh, thank you, Eddie. Thank you, Hayward, for uh, uh, the work that you are doing every day to defend our rights and our communities. And thank you for, for having us on again about uh, the Washington Anti-Discrimination Act. And the, the latest news that I have is uh, for people to uh, put in uh, their Google search Proposition 16. That's Proposition 16. It is the, uh, the ballot measure that's going to be on the ballot in November in California. And when you read Proposition 16, it's going to become very familiar because we have been working with the folks in California after we passed I-1000 into law, returning our affirmative action rights back in the legislature last year. They uh, were uh, so excited they requested a, a copy of I-1000 and began their process last September to get their measure on the ballot this year. So when you look at our fight, we're not alone in Washington state. We now have California, the largest state by population in America, behind us, and they are doing as we are doing to return affirmative action back to law in California. We're doing it to put affirmative action back into law in Washington state. And so if you've got relatives in California, uh, do what you can to let them know that we are working together on this to uh, eliminate systemic racism and sexism in our laws, just like Ward Conley put all of his energy into putting the systemic racism and sexism into the California and Washington laws. So uh, all of my other interviews, we've, we've been out here by ourselves in Washington State, but now we have a partner in the state of California. Just, Jesse, that's good news to hear. Now, can you go into more details about at one time uh, the, uh, the initiative did not have a uh, or a ballot number and we were, you were, there were two numbers being considered from the Secretary of State, uh, uh, 1,200 and 1,234. And I indicated that 1,200 sound like 1,200 and 1,234 <laughs> seems like 1,234, let's go forward. So anyway, I want right. to know, uh, share with our listeners we, where that is right now. We have been uh, uh, working with, and to be very honest with you, we've been fighting with the Secretary of State to stop delaying uh, the serial number that they normally assign to an initiative. Uh, after delay uh, of at least 30 days, they have now offered us uh, two numbers, which, uh, of course, we can pick 
one of these two or, or go back into the process for others. But the numbers they've been offered that have been offered to us are I-1200, that's 1200, or I, meaning initiative, 1234. And so we have been going before all of our organizations that support us, the NAACP, Black Collective, Black Lives Matter, Seattle King County, uh, the uh, uh, Machinists, and many other labor unions, the uh, United Black Clergy and others, asking them which of these numbers uh, would be their preferred number, because we want a, a memorable number that when people hear it the first time, they don't have to wonder what number to look for once it's on the ballot. And uh, uh, we want your listeners to also let us know uh, which of these two numbers, 1,200 or 1234, is the number of their choice for the Washington Anti-Discrimination Act. And what I'd like to have listeners do, go to urbanforumnw.com and express your opinion. Uh, in terms of uh, what you'd like to see. So, uh, so Jesse, uh, now in terms of the process, uh, take these couple of minutes and explain to people what has to happen to do what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, that's a good question. The, How many signatures and all those kind of things? The initiative to the, in Washington State, there's two kinds of initiatives. One is the initiative straight to the ballot. That's not us. The other is the initiative to the legislature. That's what we are, and that's what I-1000 was. The initiative to the legislature is a three-phase process. Phase one, get over 300,000 signatures of support. Last time, we got 395,000 signatures. This time, we need even more, but we have more time till December 31st. Yes, New Year's Eve is our deadline. Number Phase two is we go to the legislature and get them to act on our initiative. As we did last year, they voted it into law. And the third phase, and this is the critical phase, is that it will go on the ballot for November of 2021. That's why we're getting an early start in terms of organizing, an early start in terms of signature gathering, an early start, even months before the legislature convenes in Olympia, and an early start on that campaign because last time, last November, we only lost by 1%. We are getting an early start so that we win by way more than the percentage we lost by, and we finally put uh, affirmative action back into law in Washington State. And for the folks, because a lot of matter of fact, some people weren't born when we lost affirmative action, but I-200 uh, repealed affirmative action in Washington State in 1998. The one thing that still upsets me is when the legislature voted I-1000 the law, they should have implemented affirmative action right then, but no, they waited to let yep. uh, Tim Eyman and John Carlson and the supremacists vote it off, off, out of law, out of, you know, uh, oppose it. So even though we lost, they could have used that time to restore affirmative action. And even uh, more obscene than that is the fact that we had a Democrat block affirmative action legislation in 2017 and 2018 killed it in committee. And that's the, one of the saddest things that happened. And then at a particular time, we didn't have a whole bunch of support from people like the Speaker of the House at that particular time. And not Laura, not Laura Jenkins, Frank Chow. 
Right, and another thing your listeners, uh, especially like you said, the younger ones need to know, how does this affect me? If I'm, if I'm uh, you know, uh, in high school, in college, or I'm a, I'm a young adult, here's how it affects you. Right now, the law says that colleges and universities, Volk Tech colleges, community colleges, cannot recruit anyone based on their race or gender. So if they go recruiting at a predominantly black school, if it's a graduate school that goes recruiting at an HBCU, they cannot use state funds for that. We're one of, one of only eight states that prohibits our state universities and colleges from recruiting African-Americans, Asian, Native Americans, and other people of color. Secondly, when it comes to a job, none of the state, county, and local governments are allowed to recruit women or people of color to get, to get jobs. That's why our un- unemployment is now 24% during the COVID period compared to only 15% for whites in Washington State. And finally, Well, Jesse Weinberry, before we take off, I just want to say that uh, they need to use some of the money that the football players and basketball players are making for the University of Washington and Washington State University. They need to take 10% of that $70 million and make that recruitment happen. So it's about time we stop giving up our labor for free. And that's, that's, and that's economic racism, that's apartheid, to have young blacks make all the money for these white institutions in Washington state, and then you're prohibited from recruiting people that look like them from coming here to take advantage of an education. Uh, very, very unfortunate, and uh, we have to use what we have. And I think that the pro athletes are setting a good example, including the women, and, and we got hockey players, and now the college players got to stand up and say the same thing. We got to get rid of racism on the campus of University of Washington that does very little or no business with black folks. Spent $225 million to rebuild Husky Stadium and a black didn't get one dime. Yet black, young black men will be running up and down that field every Saturday, filling the stands, making mil- hundreds of millions of dollars for white institutions and blacks aren't getting anything. So thank you very much, Justin Weinberry. We're going to keep an eye on the initiative. One, two, three, four, we hope. Thank you. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination 
and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Don't let that herd mentality lead you off a cliff. We support thinking for yourself on Alternative Talk 1150. We're back at Urban Forum Northwest, Hayward Evans and Eddie Ryan. <laughs> Our next guests are Hayward Mute. Our next guests are uh, Chardonnay and Moet Beaver. Uh, they're the daughters of Dennis Beaver, who was the daughter of Liz Beaver, and the late Fitzgerald Beaver, who was a good, real good friend of mine, and so was uh, Mr. Dennis as well. But these are two talented young ladies. They both were involved in uh, the 50th, 57th anniversary of the 1963 uh, March on, on Washington, which was held last Friday on August 28th. And my co-host, Hayward Evans, did an outstanding job in uh, organizing that. And we want to give uh, uh, other folks, uh, Omari Salisbury and Converge Media, a great deal of credit for putting all that whole thing together. But first of all, let's start with the older system. We understand that you are doing some big things in Los Angeles. I'd like to hear from you first, like what you're doing, and want to thank you for your participation in the event uh, last Friday. For having me, I definitely appreciate being welcomed onto the show. Um, I currently live in Los Angeles. I just recently made the move from Seattle to LA to pursue my career in screenwriting. And uh, this past June, I just graduated from the University of Washington with my I have a major in English, and I'm a minor in diversity, and I'm currently working as a personal assistant and a um, creative brand director for a woman down here who owns her own boutique, and I've just been, you know, just trying to spread my creativity around and get my roots started, um, and just using what I established back home out here. Well, uh, Angela Riot lives in Los Angeles right now, too. She's there in D.C. and in New York and sometimes oh, in Seattle, but not hardly anywhere with this COVID-19. But she's down there, too, and I'll make sure that, because she and uh, your dad are still good friends, so I'll make sure that uh, you guys hook up because uh, she's oh, established down there, and she knows she knows a couple of people in L.A., so I'll make sure that, that happens. She's good at mentoring, too. She's a little bossy, but if you're a mentor, you, I guess – you have to be a little boss. We get along just fine, I'm sure. <laughs> I know you would, because you're serious about what you're doing. And then yes, a younger sir. sister, Chardonnay, former president of the Garfield Bulldog student body, and completed her freshman year at UW. It's in her sophomore, going to her sophomore year, and uh, has been active and doing quite a few things. I've seen some of your videos, and you're a good organizer and a storyteller. So, uh, why don't you give us a little reflection on, on your participation in the event and share with our listeners some of the activities you're involved with, Chardonnay. Awesome, yeah. Um, so I just finished my first year at the UW, and I'm a political science major. So for the event, I just talked about the importance of voting, and this is actually my first general election voting in, and I feel like it's so important that young people, my peers and I, are active and using our voices uh, like John Lewis, like Stacey Abrams, like MLK, to just rally around the future that we want to see. So I was grateful to be a part of the event. 
And so what what are, what are your goals in terms of you're going to be a sophomore now and uh, mm-hmm. you're also involved in other community activities? Yeah, so I actually, this time last year, and it's kind of been a whole thing of me and my sister were really big about manifestation and talking about just our faith in that. And so I have been manifesting this, but I actually started my own brand called Wild by Shar. I've been doing a lot of public speaking in the community for years now, but I just really wanted to create a lane for myself and uh, other like-minded folks to be able to tell their stories and heal that way. And that's tightly connected to just my inspiration as a person, but also my social justice in the community that I've been doing, social justice work in the community. So while by Shar, I have an Instagram page. You can find that while by Shar on Instagram. Then I also have a YouTube channel where I posted my various speaking engagements, um, and it's titled Wild by Shar, Words of Wisdom. Because I'm that friend where everyone goes to me like, Shar, what do you think? So I just kind of, like, spill my words of wisdom on them. But that's what I've been up to. I've also been doing research at the University of Washington through their community, um, Center of Community Diversity and Equity Department, and uh, doing some work with NAM at the museum. So it's just been a blessing how everything has kind of been Fruitation this year, a lot of fruitation. Yeah, I want to see yeah, if my coach Haywood Evans has a comment or a question. Chardonnay, I'm so impressed, and thank you again oh, for coming you. out and saying vote, vote, vote. You're fantastic at the program on the 28th, 57th anniversary march, and your sister was magnificent as well. I wish you both much, yes. much success. Now, anywhere in your manifestations. Uh, you know we need some good elected folk. We don't even have anybody black on the city council. Amen. I'm just planting that seed <laughs> for a future date as a political scientist myself from the U. Uh, okay. What do you think about that maybe in your future? Um, I have wrestled with the idea a little bit. Uh, I really do love the idea of, well, I, I had wrote about this in one of my columns for the facts. I've been able to meet Representative John Lewis, the late great, and just thinking about being a legislator and writing the laws, and it's a part of just kind of uh, being a part of who and how we enforce the law uh, here in the U.S., and so I thought about becoming a legislator a little bit, but uh, it's all in God's hands. I don't know. I'm always going to represent the people for us, by us, so. Amen. But look, you know, God willing, we're going to still be here. You know we're on your side. I personally you. think you would make a fantastic legislator. And do like Representative Weinberry did. He was in law school and got elected. Yeah, I can see you doing that. That's my personal manifestation. Uh, tell me, how's it looking this fall with you, Deb, going back to school? What's up with that? What, what what's up with the uh, UDev right now and, and and classes? How's that working out? Um, yeah, so Molly just graduated from there, and like I just mentioned, or you had mentioned earlier, I'm a rising sophomore. So everything as far as schedule has been the same. They're not doing any early uh, breaks or adjusting that. We're still starting September 30th, um, and for me, uh, I'm a social science major, so. All of my stuff is going to be done remotely online. Um, 
I'm not sure as far as it pertains to like chemistry or biology, scientists like majors, because it's hard. You cannot imagine doing the lab online. But um, I know that you is doing the best they can. And then there's also been a lot of activism on campus around that, being that we're named after George Washington. So I don't know. Um, we shall see. Okay. Let, let, uh, I want to see if we got a couple of minutes left. I want to see if Moe got another comment she'd like to make before we go. Say that again. Oh, I just want to, we have about a minute left. I wanted to give you the last word being the older sister. Well, <laughs> I, I'm just on a, a journey of just creativity, um, expression. I've, I didn't take a break after high school. I went straight into college, and I didn't give myself no breaks in college either. I did my four years straight through. And um, so I feel like now is the time that I've been dedicating to myself and to my craft and to what it is that I want to do and bring to the table as a, a black woman and contribute to my community first and foremost. I feel like it's really rare that people in our community, especially from Seattle, get the chance to have someone to look up to from somewhere else that can connect you to other things. I think there's very few of us, and I just think that um, we're now in a time where a lot of us are starting to rise up in many ways and establish small businesses and ambitious goals, and I just encourage everyone who's in Seattle, everyone young to the old, to find their hustle and to keep that thing going because outside of politics and outside of what's going on, we still have to support each other and make sure that we're a whole. You know, Trump isn't isn't stopping people from being evicted or isn't allowing people to still work while things are going on. So I think as a community, we have to start stepping up and being responsible for each other. Okay, and, um, good words yeah. because we're out of time. Uh, Amen. Chardonnay and Moe, I want to thank both of you guys. Uh, the daughters of Dennis Beaver and the granddaughters of Liz so and uh, the late Fitzgerald. So anyway, uh, you guys have a blessed day, and thank you for your time today, and thank you for participating in the 5th and 7th commemoration of the 1963 March on Washington, D.C. for Jobs and Freedom. So Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye, I want to thank you for joining us today, and we'll be talking with you again uh, next Thursday, but you can hear this program Saturday morning at 7. You can also go to urbanformnw.com hear all the programs that we've done for the last year. Thanks, Eric. Talk to you later.